You are now listening to The Jason D'Amico Show. Greetings, folks. Welcome back to The Jason D'Amico Show. So happy and grateful to have you with us. And special shout out once again to our distributor, Simplecast, as well as uh, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and all those other great platforms where you are listening or watching, and especially YouTube. Our guest today is an American actor born in New York and raised in Baltimore City, known nationally and internationally for a subtle approach and intense style of character acting, most notably for his breakout six-episode recurring role as Joey D on One Tree Hill. He landed the top host slot for the Emmy Award-winning series NASA 360, which led him to shoot 14 episodes worldwide, where he's also starred as Trick in the critically acclaimed Coffin film franchise. Raised around the lively arts, his strong musical and singing abilities have scored in many film and television projects, including two episodes as recurring angsty goth bass player Kaz for the television series Gotham, co-starring lead role as Mickey Denizio with Chrissy Seaver on Growing Pains, bassist Johnny Koloski in 10 episodes of Numbers Alive, and rock star Peter Gunn in The Riddle House. He's also appeared on Outer Banks and is currently starring in The Haunting of Cottonwood and Rosemary Street. Please welcome to the show my very very good friend and i'm blessed to say that man my new good friend johnny alonzo it's great to have you brother my son i couldn't have asked for a better intro <laughs> hey man i you know i what uh what the agent sent me what uh, joey right i believe she or she sent it was great i had to chop it just a little bit so it wasn't like too much but um what what a career my friend and and, and what an honor to have you i'm so so happy and grateful to have you Dude, thank you so much. No, man, um, you know, we'll be talking about Rosemary Street, the, the series that you and I are working on in a minute. But uh, no, I'm happy to be here, dude. No, you know, the first time we met, uh, we instantly bonded and gelled. And, uh, you know, I'm fam I was familiar with your work because our producer, Elena Moscat from Rosemary Street, sent me your photos, sent me your resume, sent me your music clips. You're a very talented guy, man. So, thank you. Know, you. Yeah, you're welcome. I guess uh, birds of a feather. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, no, but it, you know, it's and, and I told you this a little bit offset um, right right when we were done filming uh, the first episode, so to speak, of uh, Rosemary Street. Right. You know, I, I see you as it's kind of like it's that great multi-level hat wearing role where it's like mentor you know, brother, Paisan, like older brother type of, you know, type of like young uncle type of thing. So I'm really, yeah. it's, I'm really grateful. Dude, dude, dude. No, thank you, man. You know, um, I've always been that guy that likes to circle himself around positive people, positive energy. Um, because that's what I want in return. You know, that's yeah. what I get. So, um, yeah, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, man. And I, I love giving out the right advice because it, you know, I, I've, I've made my mistakes, you know, so what, what's the point in you making your mistakes if I can stop you right before you make the mistakes? So, right, right. Yeah, man, no, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy that you and I are knowing, you know, that we know each other and I'm happy to know that we're friends. So, hey, it's great, man. It's a great thing. Likewise, likewise. Well, you know, let's dive in. I want to, I want to get into um, kind of your beginning stages and, and, and kind of how you got into this crazy yet amazing joyful exuberant career that we all love and and hate probably at the same time you know depending on what what's going on during the day but um you know yeah. i uh graduated from nyu i believe uh 
prior to that was you know, and still was raised pretty much in New York City from what yeah. I know from just our conversations. But I'd love to just dive back, man. Like, you know, what how did you get into this? Like what was going on? Simple. Um, <laughs> when we were when we were kids, literally like seven, eight years old, um, growing up in Howard Beach, Queens. Um, every year we 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 lived in Howard Beach. So every year you'd have the Italian Festa, like the Italian festival. Yeah. And uh, I remember one specific year, I think I was seven years old. Uh, the festa was happening literally right on our street on Howard Beach. And for some reason, I just got up on one of the, the picnic tables and started singing to the nonas, to the grandmas. <laughs> and yeah, and my mother was like, look, look, at, look at our son here. Look at her talking to my, look at our son here. So um, it was great. The next thing you know, you know, I'm singing for money. Like every time I go up, some lady would give me a buck. And I was like, this is awesome. I want to do this for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> so I come from a very musically inclined family, especially on my mother's side. She, um, she plays piano. She sings. Um, all my uncles play guitar. All my uncles play the drums, piano, etc. And yeah. Um, yeah, the first song I ever learned was from my uncle. Um, he taught me House of the Rising Sun by the Animals. How cool is that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, you know the song. So um, yeah. um, it started there. I started out as a musician. I started out just wanting to be in in either a band or play by my, you know, just play music on my own. But I, I always wanted to be on some kind of stage. I always wanted to be on, you know, entertaining people. I wanted to be an entertainer. I didn't want to be an actor just yet. I just wanted to be an entertainer. Yeah. So, yeah, growing up, going to St. Helens in, in, in Queens, um. I got into some talent shows. They were fun. And then my family moved down to uh, Baltimore uh, because both of my parents are doctors. My father's a plastic surgeon. My mother's a pediatrician. Wow, wow. Yeah, they, they moved their careers to uh, the Hopkins area, Johns Hopkins. Yeah. Um, you know, this is my early teen years. Um, got into a band, one of the coolest bands ever. We were called The Unknown. <laughs> and two sets of brothers, and we were signed. And, our ages were from 15 to 18. Oh, I'm touring nationally. We were in the CMJ. We charted on most of the college radio stations um, with three amazing songs off of two albums. Um, touring, I mean, opening up for some of the biggest acts, like the Smithereens and the Pixies. And we're only 17 years old, man. Wow. So wow. I couldn't get enough of it. But, you know, this was a time in music when music was changing at a very rapid rate where the sound was just changing from that dark shoegazing new wave alternative that we love so much to more of a, um, a brassier, grungy 90s flair. You know what I'm talking about? So, right, right. yeah, so I'm not saying like bands like Joy Division and Echo and the Bunnymen, which we were so influenced by, Jesus and Mary Chain, which we were so influenced by, was becoming passe. It wasn't passe at all. Um, just that the sound was evolving and we weren't evolving fast enough. So the band broke up after an, an incredible ride. Wow. But that's, that's where I built my fan base. So um, I didn't know what to do when the band broke up. Seriously, I, I had no idea. So I went back to school. I got into NYU, went back up to New York. And I, I realized there was a lot of acting on stage when we were playing, as you know, Jason, when you're playing out. It's not always just you. You, you know, there's, there's, this, there's this character you kind of put on stage when you're playing. Yeah. So... Um, I decided to go in the acting program. So um, if you don't know NYU, if you're not an actor to begin with, and if you're not in the ring already, nobody likes you. 
And here I am coming in as a musician that wanted to be an actor. And they just did not like me. My class hated me. Wow. Yeah, they wouldn't. No one. I'm not even joking. Zero. No one would do dialogue with me. I had to do oh, dialogue. Man. Yeah, all of my dialogue by myself. I had to do it as a monologue. But my coach was like, you really want to do this? I'm like, yeah. And she said, okay, well, then find a way to make that dialogue into a monologue and prove everybody that they're wrong. And I was like, this is going to be impossible. But I did it. Wow. And next thing you know, I kind of got accepted. But I, at that point, I didn't want to be accepted. I was like, you guys wouldn't take me in to begin with. Yeah. So why do I not want to be in your ring? You want to be yeah. in mine, you know? So I just, yeah. I, was, I was so over it. But um, the great thing is when I was in NYU, when you're in a program, you're not allowed to audition for anything because, you know, it just, it just takes up too much of your time. Sure. Uh, your, your, your undivided attention is with your two to four year program, period. That's it. Well, I got... I was called in to audition for all my children. And I had, I had to ask my teachers, I said, listen to my coaches, can I just read for this? Um, and it's not gonna interfere with anything. It's 40 in the uh, semester anyway. And they said, sure. Well, three auditions later, I booked 64 episodes of Susan Lynch's nephew and all my children. Wow. So yeah, so I got to really stick it in my class, all my classmates, you know, and where are they now? No one's ever seen them or heard of them. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. man, so that was the beginning of it all. So. After the soap opera, I knew I just wanted to do, get into the lively arts, into acting on stage. Yeah. And, and then it just took off from there, man. You know, booking all the big shows like Dawson's Creek, One Tree Hill, those reunion shows. Was, you was, that, was that basically your first job? Yeah. Wow. My first wow. job was on a soap opera on ABC. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, to have recurring for, six, what, 64 episodes? 64, yeah. Now, now remember, 64 sounds like a lot. But remember, a TV soap opera is on literally 350 days out of the year. So it was really a small role, if you think about okay. it. But I was on set easily over 80 times, you know, 64 yeah. episodes. And yeah. um, it was uh, it was my first gig. It, it was a small gig, Seth. I was... Character Seth, I was a Pine Valley High School student. So whenever they were in the in in Pine Valley, you would first just see me as the glorified background extra, you know, passing the leads. Next thing you know, I did it enough that I was getting dialogue with Kelly Ripa. Next thing you know, I'm getting dialogue with my aunt on the show, Susan Lucci. And then I got some cool dialogue in there. So um, it, that was my first gig out of the box. And I had to re I had to unlearn what I learned because stage acting is completely different from film acting. And you know, yeah. at NYU, I was being trained as a theater actor, so I had to learn how to bring everything in. You know, man, you're oh, an yeah. actor. Yeah. yeah, stage acting, you know, we're supposed to be very big and hit the back of the room. Well, you know, I think it was Michael Caine that said, acting, stage and film acting is like being either a surgeon or like um, a surgeon with a scalpel or a surgeon with a laser. One is very, very finite, and that's film acting. And I had to learn how to bring myself in, because I'm you know, I'm kind of like an animated kind of guy like you. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we were always told to turn it down, turn it down. Turn, turn it down. down. You're talking yeah, turn too loud. Talking too loud, voice. moving yeah. your hands too much. But I'd rather have that than try to raise my energy, because that's yeah. the case. Yeah, then, it doesn't, then it doesn't feel real for me. 
Well, you're no, I so if I, I just want to interject real quick because you're yeah. you're knocking out a bunch. This is great. You're knocking out a bunch of bullet points. I don't even have to ask the questions. You're just like kind of steamrolling. I want to target on on two specific things though that you said. Number one, um, let's start with let's go back to the, your schooling at at NYU. Yeah, I'm curious to know from your opinion and your experience, do you think it's worth it for a lot of these younger actors to go that route? Because you said something very, very interesting. It's like a lot of these people that, that you, a lot of your classmates, former classmates, you haven't heard of since then. So I want to get your opinion on that. I chose, I I went to school for business. You know, I I got my degree in like business and leadership. All my mentors told me, don't bother. Go. I, I got into Berkeley for a master's program. I deferred it for music production, I ended up not going years ago. So it's like, there's these two schools of thought. I just wanted to see for a couple of minutes, your thoughts on that, especially for the younger audience who's maybe thinking, maybe I should go to school for this, or maybe I should just start cutting my teeth and just getting work. What are your thoughts? Sure. The reason I went to NYU, um, what it was is simple. Like I said, I didn't have any other place to go. I didn't know what I was doing. Right. So fortunately, I was I had good enough grades in high school that I was able to get into NYU. Um, I didn't have any outlets back then. I didn't know anybody that was in the entertainment industry other than music. I didn't know anybody that was in the lively arts, uh, theater, stage, film, television, commercials. I knew no one. So I figured this would be the best way for me to at least introduce myself to people that have been in the industry. Now, there are two schools of thought here. You go in that route and that's cool and everything, or you can just dive in and hope the people that you meet and people that you know are legit. Um, the problem with that, it's, it's by deduction. I mean, I, you know, you'll hear people, Oh, I know this, that, and I have all these connections and they never work out for you. Right. Or, Oh, this guy's such a great coach to find out he's got the worst reputation after you spent X amount of dollars on him. Um, I think for, for young actors, you never leave school. You always, you always have to, you always have to learn, you know, there's always room to learn something. Yeah. Um, yeah. If let's say someone's already enrolled in, in college or, you know, in high school or whatever, take a class, you know, just see if you like it, you know, take some one-on-one classes. Um, if you really want to get into film, you don't take necessarily theater classes. Try to, why don't you try to take like, um, uh audition class audition yeah, like, an, like an audition type of yeah yeah because that's that's if you can't audition and if you don't know the principal rules of audition you're never going to get the job i don't care how pretty you are it ain't gonna work um so to answer your question if i had to do it all over again i would still go through school i would still go to uh college but it doesn't necessarily mean that get into a fine arts program i mean a fine arts school yeah take some classes it's great if you are not fortunate enough or you just don't have time to be in school or you're out of school already, you're just too old for it already, um, find a reputable program. I mean, it's, it's different for everyone, you know, it's, yeah. but, but you just don't want to go with the hacks because you hear too many stories of people getting burned. And that's why, like for yourself, I said, I don't mind giving my information out. I've already learned from my mistakes. So before you make a mistake, just ask me and I'll tell you what I did, you know, and not, not saying it's always going to work out for you the way it worked out for me, but at least you have an option saying, okay, well, he did say I can try doing this on my own. 
And I have looked up this coach and I have looked up these classes and they seem to be legit. I'm going to try it that way and I'll support it. You know, I'll support it. Absolutely. Yeah. Man. And, and, and speaking of which, um, you know, regarding uh, projects and whatnot, yeah. uh, we're going to have your good buddy, Michael, I believe uh, McLaren is his last but name. Michael yeah. McLaren. Yes. So we he's going to be coming on here in just a, sh a few short minutes and talking about some of the exciting projects that you guys have in the works um, on, on the, on the line of auditioning though, you just said, uh, and I, and I kind of quoted you here, uh, principal rules with auditioning just mm -hmm. for a, a few moments, just kind of over the years, I'd love to just have you touch on that. Cause it's such an important component of what we do. And yeah. especially for the audience that's listening, uh, who are actors as well, you know, just, just, you know, your thoughts on, on that subject and the auditioning process and your sure. method. Well, yeah, of course. Well, I'm going to say it. I'm going to tell you from, a Los Angeles viewpoint where we actually still go into the offices. Okay. Not right. just a self day. Right. So when you go into the office, the audition starts the second you open the door. Absolutely. It actually starts the second you close the door. If you're acting like an obnoxious ass, well, that secretary is going to say something to the casting director. So you got to be professional. It's a business. So you sign in, you know, your lines, you know, your dialogue, you do not talk to people. These are the things that my agent has always said, it's nice to talk to people, but you're not throwing them off their train. If anything, you're, you're wasting time and you're not focusing in on what you're supposed to be doing. It's right. a job. So you go in and you just have to know your shit. I'm just going to say it that way. Okay. So you know, it. you know what you're doing. Once you go into the casting director's office, you need to know how to slate. That's a big deal. You know, which is basically your name, the character you're playing, the agency you're with. If they ask you for any, anything else, like your height, where you work as a local hire, and you answer all the questions above. Sure. But one of, and, then, and then you dive into your commercial audition or your film read, whatever it may be. And then when you leave, you don't try to strike conversation with these people. You just say, thank you very much. I'm out of here. Yeah. Because your audition is supposed to sell you, you know, 12 hours later when they watch the tape. Um, if they ask you to do another read, then you've already struck a nice interest with them. If they give you another character, it doesn't mean you were bad. It actually means, well, you know what? They weren't right for, for, uh, for, for Bobby over here, but, you know, but Robert, <laughs> you might be great for. So, you know, just be, and, and remember this, just because you think you did great at your audition doesn't mean you're going to book it. I mean, everybody's oh, saying, oh, that works. Yeah, I've got to book this. I got to book this. Well, for all you know, that character was scrap. So don't, you know, don't, don't, don't let it hurt your feelings if you don't get it, dude. There's so I've much that goes into it. Dude, too much. Yeah. You might remind that person of their ex, and that's why you didn't get the job. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, And then you, then you get those instances, like with you guys, I get a message from Elena, like two years after I had some, <laughs> like it wasn't even, I don't even know if it was an audition. It was just yeah. some, like, you know, it's crazy. No, man. Well, you know, we kept you in the files, and I'm going to tell you why, yeah. because you get, you were very impactful. We'll you know, you. looks are a big, you're welcome, man. I mean, if you want to talk about auditions, it's like I said, it starts the second you go into the room. Well, in your case, your picture was the first thing that came into the room. I was like, well, he's got a great look. Chicks are going to love this guy on this, on this show. <laughs> look how talented he is. Wow, look at all his work. He's this hell of a guitar player. Great singer. Dude, you've been, in my, you've been on my mind since. Wow. So, Wow. It's about leaving an impression. And it's always about leaving a professional impression, but also an approachable impression. You don't want to be that guy or girl that no one wants to work with for five weeks. You know, you want to be the person they want to have around. There's a personality that just 
that's friendly. It's, it's easy to get along with, you know? So, you know, those are the things. But I mean, for, for commercial auditions or film auditions, it really starts the second you walk in and you're supposed to know how to slate. And you're supposed to be just professional and have everything memorized. Yes. And one of my tricks before we pull Michael McLaren, because he's probably on your other line, um, never blink. Never blink when you're reading. The second you blink, it kind of, see what I'm doing now? It yeah. kind of like changes an attitude. But if you're reading and you're not stop and you're always looking into the camera or not looking into the camera, you're looking at the casting director, but you don't blink. Whoever's watching your tape is going to watch you. And there's going to be something that they like about it. There's a control when you don't blink. So those are, that's one of my tricks for everybody watching out there. Don't blink when you do your reads. As much Very as interesting. And, and universal, right? Comedy, drama, does you know whatever is going on. Yeah. Precisely, because yeah. there's a connection. Watch Leonardo DiCaprio and watch him never blink for 45 seconds. It's unbelievable. It's wow. very cool. Watch Depp. He doesn't blink. They don't blink in their close-ups. They never do. And you always have to act like this audition is its a take from a film or a TV show or whatever you're reading for. Yeah. You have to act. as it's, it's a profession. It's not play. You know, on um, self tapes, I've I've noticed personally for me, and I I don't see Mike yet on the line. So if you want to shoot him a text or something, feel ahead. free. To I will. Uh, I will keep, keep talking. One of the things that I've noticed is, uh, and, and th this is just this is just me. I can't speak in generality for everybody, but sure. on, on self tapes, when I've kind of taken a little bit more liberty with self direction it's turned out positively in my favor. doesn't mean that you change the script. It doesn't mean that you completely, it's not yeah. at all, but it's like, you just have to make definitive choices, go with it. And yeah. just kind of, and I think Brian Cranston talked about it, whatever you're not provided, you have to create. Without question. I just, and as you know, I had three yesterday when you and I spoke. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And we both say they always come at the most unopportune time and inopportune time. Why is you that? Know I don't it, it, understand it. I was free all last week. Now why three in one day? Right. But but you know what, man? That's our that's the nature of our business. Yep. And you know, that's why we love and hate this industry. Um, but you're right. As I said earlier, if I rewind back two minutes, acting is a heightened reality. So it's what you create. And just reading a page like this, see what I'm doing? My eyes aren't even looking at you. Yeah. Yeah. Boring BS. But if I have it all in my head and I'm just holding my script and I'm looking at you and I'm doing this and I'm able to move my hands freely and I'm not blinking, all of a sudden you're engaged with what I'm doing. You know, remember this too. Anybody that's watching, be very cognizant of your timing. If it's film or television, television, remember an hour episode. I've worked on all the episode, episode episodics that have been an hour. So you kind of have to remember, you can't take your time so much. You have to Keep it within a television timing. Film, you have a little more grace. You can play with the time because it's film and you can then stretch your time and your pregnant pauses. Television timing, you got you have pauses, but you gotta remember it can't be 19 seconds of a pause. It might only be four. Yeah. So just always remember what kind of timing you're working with. Um, hang on, let me just send, send that. He's, uh, he's in. Yeah, he just he just came in. So we'll 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 push him in in just a few seconds. That's in, yes, and we and we talked about cadence on the set of Rosemary Street. You you were doing some you are directing Rosemary Street. You're one of the co-directors. So yeah, co-directors. Yeah, some yeah. of the directing that you were doing with uh, some of the featured extras or some of the other cast members. I was just kind of watching you and noticing you and what you were uh, talking about. 
directing was, you know, you said one phrase, cadence is everything. And I was like, it's so, and I I have the same school of thought, like just the rhythm itself will sell a scene. Sure. If the rhythm is there, you know, if the rhythm is there, look, that's why comedy is so great when you have great comedians, because the timing is so perfect. Yeah. You know, um, like I said, remember that. And also last thing before we pull Michael in, yeah. When you're doing a commercial audition, it let's pretend that you're supposed to be, you're a chef and you're making a salad. Well, you don't make everything down here. You can't see what I'm doing. You, you, you grab the salt and pepper from behind you. You're making everything up top and doing it this way. Always know what your box is in the camera. Right, right. Also, when you're acting, that's why you saw me when we were shooting at the depot. I'm like, hey, what, what's, what, you know, what's my frame? Always right. know, no one, it doesn't hurt to ask what your frame is. Yeah. Because I want to know if I'm going to light my cigarette, am I going to be down here? Or am I going to light it off the wall from back here? What am I doing? Be, just just be big about things, man. They can always turn you down. That's what I keep telling people. You know? I love that. I love that. Well, let, let's get let's get Mike in. Yes. And, okay, so folks, we're back. Uh, we we had a little bit of a, a technicality there, but we're, we're kind of jerry-rigging this so we can have Michael on. Uh, Michael McLaren, uh, director of the haunt, the haunting of Cottonwood, and uh, a good friend of Johnny Alonzo. So, Michael, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Jason D'Amico show, and we're glad to have you, my friend. We were talking a little bit before uh, we got you on the show. Uh, a little bit before we started the the episode, uh, you guys have a red carpet event coming up, and wanted to learn a little bit more about that. Tell us a little bit about the project, and um, you guys have multiple projects that you guys are in the works with right now. Yeah, we've been very busy. Um, it's been good. Next year's going to be even better. We have like four projects places for next year. But yeah, we have a, we have a uh, red carpet premiere of the Horton of Cottonwood on October 21st in the beautiful little quaint town of Mount Dora, Florida. Um, I always I always choose to uh, host my my little premieres there. The thank you to the town for sponsoring us. You know, they give us a lot of uh, leeway in the town and they supply us with a lot of fabulous properties and whatever we need, you know, the, the people are open to us filming there. So it's a little thank you back and I like to throw a big after party as a thank you to the uh, crew and cast. Absolutely. Be a Halloween party. Oh, that's Halloween. that sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, especially with me. I'm, I'm actually... I'm actually going to Johnny Alonzo. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, man? You'll do a better job of him than me. <laughs> I just need to play the guitar. Yeah. You know? Anyway, anyway, yeah, so it's been an exciting time. Um, we've got some very exciting projects in the future, you know? Yes. And I got, I got to say real quick, Michael, I'm loving this. Like, I don't know if it's like a, you guys are in like a Tesla SUV or something. I don't know what's going on, but I love this like fully immersive kind of 360 you know driving you can see like the whole the whole sunroof i love that yeah well i'm actually i'm actually driving i put on an autopilot at the minute <laughs> <laughs> no it looks great it looks great we we need to do all podcasts like this where it's just like speaker phone like just completely you know gorilla type of uh you know <laughs> capturing here i love it uh so so tell me tell me a little bit a little bit about the conjuring. Uh I guess the 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 story of the conjuring and and Johnny was kind of filling me in on this but would love to hear a little bit more about what's in store with that. Sounds very exciting. Well, you know, um I was approached I was I was approached uh, autopilot just maybe took me off the road. Um I was approached about 8 9 months ago about the the um the parent family 
um, you know, on the movie The Conjuring, and I was kind of really, I've seen The Conjuring, and that is absolutely a fabulous movie, you know. Yeah. Uh, but but there's a there's a there's a dark side to that whole story that me and Johnny were privy to. Uh, in fact, we were invited to the house. So I don't know whether you, Johnny, told you. I, I told him a little bit. Yeah, we had an invite up there. We met some very interesting people, and they were playing all about through their eyes. Uh, the conscience through the eyes of the um, the warrants, you know, the paranormal investigators. So the the, the movie franchise is based on their files. But the Perron family want to tell us, you know, uh, a little bit more, or sorry, a little bit more depth about their situation. Um, we had we had a wonderful day there, and you know, to be honest, I've never been in a house so calm. Yeah, you wow. would never believe it. The house had such a calm feeling about it. You know, I, I was breaking it. <laughs> and when we were driving up into the sticks of Rhode Island, I mean, we're going right up into the forest and the heavens opened. It went dark. It was like we were being told not to go. Yeah. Wow. And when we got there, there was police, fire engines, everything. The whole, the whole kind of neighborhood flooded out as we were there. Yeah. It, it, was, it was pretty scary. Um, anyway, we had a great time. When we walked into the house, it, it was it was so peaceful. I was very very shocked at that. I was really expecting it to be spooky, and it, yeah. it wasn't. It yeah. was it was a family home, and you could feel the love there. Wow, wow. So uh, yeah, so um, that, so that was an experience itself going there. So I'm really looking forward to tackling this uh, this project, probably early next year. Well, we're going to interview the dad in a couple of weeks. Um, we have um, we have an interview set up with Roger Perrin, the father. Uh, we're going to have a little chat with him and just, you know, start the ball rolling, basically. You know, just get a feel of the project. So Very exciting. Yeah, yeah, very exciting. And I mean, I, I don't know how much I, – I don't know a lot about it, but I know that what Johnny's told me, allegedly the story was not – a hundred percent of what happened or something like that. And you guys are going to basically make it, or the, the, the intention is to make it based on the actual story that occurred. Exciting. Sorry, I lost it. I just realized what the problem was, guys. What's that? My phone was on Bluetooth. Oh, <laughs> there it is. You want to try, you want to try and switch? You you want to try to switch? Uh, no, no, no. Keep that there. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. It does all right. We'll just do a couple more minutes with him. Um, sure. Yeah. But, Michael, um, I, I'll once once you're off uh, camera, I'll, I'll fill in just some details, you know, a, a couple of things that you and I were talking about with the, the, the true story of the Conjuring's bit. But um, getting back to our screening in Mount Dora, we also have – the screening in Baltimore come January. And uh, you were with me in Baltimore about a month ago. You know, what, what, what are your thoughts about the Senator Theater? I thought it was awesome. 
Yeah. I love them all theatres. Yes. Very, very Victorian. Yeah. Um, I just wish all the theatres were like that instead of how they are today. I know. It's... These mega theatres don't have any atmosphere. No. But when you walk into the Senate of Theatre, you, 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 you're walking into a piece of history, yeah. which I love. Yes. Yeah. You know, and I, and I, I, just, I just love old architecture. That's, I just bought a house in Mystic, Connecticut. You know, I bought an old colonial in the harbour just to get away from Florida because Florida is like... Your taglines, Michael. <laughs> you and your taglines. <laughs> That's for next year. But this year, yeah, super excited to be in Baltimore. Um, I, Johnny's up there. Went to his brother's restaurant. It was, it was we had a wonderful time, and I'm looking forward to the senator. Yeah, but yeah, Mandora is the 21st of October. Right. Um, the Horton of Cottonwood. We have a fabulous cast and crew, um, and I'm just looking forward to having a good party and wrapping up my filming days in Florida, basically. Yeah, man. Great. Sounds good, Mike. So you know what? I'll I'll, I'll fill in the dots. I'll fill in the blanks. I will see you in Florida next week, Michael. And then we will have a great uh, premiere party in Mount Dora. Then we're going to take it up to Baltimore, man. All right? We will certainly are. Uh, Secondly, uh, I've just finished another film. I was producing on it. Yes. It was called um, Crocodilist Mating Season with... Stanley Pominowski, I don't know whether Johnny's touched on that with you, Jason, but that is, um, that, that, that's hilarious. That's kind of a cross between Monty Python meets Ace Ventura. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hilarious. <laughs> and that, that's super released soon. We're, we're negotiating with distribution companies at the minute. Um, right. And I think Stanley and Johnny are going to the American film market in November. Yes, uh, in Santa Monica, brother. AFM. AFM, yeah, so, yes. Yeah, so, so uh, hopefully things will move that way. Yes. So on awesome. that note, gentlemen, uh, thank you for having me on, Jace. Um, sorry about the connection. The no worries. I'm on a cell phone driving. Hey, at least we, we made it work. You know, we got three three producers here. It's like we got to figure out how to you know get you on. So it, it was it's been a pleasure and looking forward to you know talking more and and seeing more of what you guys do. Exactly, Jason. Where are you based? Uh, currently in North Carolina. Okay, okay. I was going to say, if you're close to Baltimore or Florida, you could have come to the premiere. Yeah, I'll definitely be up for the uh, Rosemary Street premiere, I believe, uh, early November. Is that when that is, Johnny? Yeah, or? that that's in November. And then when we do the Baltimore screening and the Senator, that's going to be in January. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So we'll yeah, need you. have an open invitation, Jason. Thank you so much. Well, it's... It's not too far away, so it, we we may be able to make that work. 
Hey, make it work. Johnny, always a pleasure. Always, Good bro. One. See you soon, man. Take care. See you later. Thanks, thanks for tuning in. Bye, <laughs> Bye, Bye, man. All right. Great guy, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No, so glad we were able to uh, to make that work. Oh, yeah. No, no, man. Uh, Michael, I met Michael McLaren and his wife, Wendy Lebezzi. Uh, she's also a fellow producer, actress. Um, they were at a screening of my other film called Harvey, which I shot in Florida a couple of years yeah. ago. And uh, Michael came up to me after the, uh, the screening. Of the, we were at this after party. I was, I was getting lit. I was like four Jack Daniels in. <laughs> and uh, he was at a, uh, hey, man, I've got this script, you know, and I, I really think you're good for it. And, uh, you know, you, as an actor, you know, you, you're always open to stuff like this. I said, sure, send me the script. What's it called? He said, it's called Sebastian. And, uh, you know, in his British accent, Sebastian. So Sebastian, as he always says. So I'm flipping through the script the following day in my hotel. Seriously, bro, I couldn't put it down. It was really, really cool. And uh, I told Michael I'd love to be on. So uh, we got together. He rewrote the project uh, along with Wendy, I believe. They, they all put it together. And then they changed the title from Sebastian to The Haunting of Cottonwood. And... Uh, we shot in Florida, in Sanford, Florida, most of it in Sanford, Florida. I think part of it in Mount Dora. Um, I'm not very familiar with Florida, um, but I kept asking, who's your cast, man? Who's your cast? Because I usually help people cast projects that I'm in. And I don't know anybody in Florida. I really don't know anybody. I wanted this to be a strong cast because don't worry, man, I've got you. And Michael put together an incredible cast. Um, I play a young dad with a beautiful wife and two young girls and i couldn't get over how incredible these actresses were wow. and wow. Uh, yeah seriously super so in fact the funny thing is my eldest film daughter in the haunting of cottonwood played by carson jean holly she plays casey on our show rosemary street yeah. she plays yeah. my youngest daughter um, on rosemary street i had to have her on the project but michael you know, discovered all this incredible talent um, in Florida, and uh, he's put together one hell of a film. The Haunting of Cottonwood is definitely um, a film that you don't want to miss. So, uh, you know, hats off to Michael and his team. And Crocodilus Mating Season, I was just in Florida for that premiere. As he said, you know, Ace Ventura meets Naked Gun meets Monty Python, whatever it may be. It's hysterically, it's hysterical dry humor. Um, I play Slade, the rock star. What a killer character. What a great name, by the way. Yeah. Slade. And uh, we had so much fun filming it. And uh, Mount Dora has been great for Stanley Palinowski, Michael McLaren, and myself. We've really, um, we've had a good time. They've been, they've been very receptive. And um, you should check out Stanley's work. Stanley's got some great work. He's a, he's a, he's a wonderful writer and great producer in the, the Mount Dora, Florida area. Yeah, man. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, and, and while we're on the project uh, yes. category, yeah, would love to give you kind of a space to talk about as much as you can. Yeah, I don't know how much you can at this point, but uh, Chop Shop, right, is sure. definitely in development. And, and uh, you were kind of telling me a little bit about it uh, about yes. a month or two back. And it just really sounds like a, a, a fun kind of mobster comedy thriller type of deal. Yeah, which you're, which you're perfect for. Um, yeah. <laughs> <the chop shop. laughs> hey, let's just be honest. Hey. 
Hey, hey, Paisan. 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 The Chop Shop uh, was written, is written by uh, Ray Perry and Irv Becker. Uh, Ray, I've known Ray and Irvio for over 20 some years. In fact, I live with her in Sherman Oaks on and off for almost a year. Wow. Um, not, yeah, just a while back. And uh, they're like my brothers, all Paisan, all of these guys. And uh, Ray came up with this script. He's just like, you know, I've been writing the script and I've had you and Irv in mind for this. And it's like this mobster dramedy, com comedy, drama, comedy, whatever you want to call it, dramedy. And uh, the writing is super strong. It's just one entertaining piece. Um, I can't give away too much. I just, I can't say much, but I can sure. say that uh, the star-studded cast that they're putting together now is, it's out of this world. It's gonna blow people away. It doesn't, it, the, the director, the cinematographer, the producing team that we have locked and loaded already on this, and uh, the rep that's shopping this film, um, it's being treated like a studio project. And uh, it's just fast comedy, man. It's it's something else. And uh, some great names in it. I mean, some great names. I mean, I'd love to say the names, but I, I'm just not at liberty to. Of course. But it all works out well. We're no longer going to be shooting um, on the East Coast. It'll be done somewhere on the West Coast. I'm not going to tell you where, but it's going to be done somewhere on the West Coast um, only because it's just going to be a lot easier for us with uh, the executive producers that we've been talking to and some of the A-list talent. Yeah. So uh, I wanted the grittiness of Atlantic City uh, and Baltimore, but um, hell, man, I can get a can of spray paint and make anything look like the East Coast on the West Coast. Don't worry. Right. Right. Yeah, I can tag. I'm a lefty. I can left tag left-handed. I'm all good with it. But uh, it's it's um it's it's gonna be a fun piece. I mean, it's 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 not being treated like an independent. This is being treated like a studio studio project. Very cool. Very exciting. And and looking forward to hearing more about it. Uh, yeah. And obviously, we'll talk a little bit about Rosemary Street. We touched on a little bit earlier. Yeah. Uh, but just to kind of, I, I think, and and correct me if I'm wrong, because we did have a number of projects that we did want to hit. And just kind of, uh, you know, let the viewers know about. I yeah. I know Rosemary Street's still on the list. If there's anything else, please feel free to bring it up. But these are the yeah. ones that I had written down. Well, I will say this: um, anything that we're talking about on on your show today, which has just been an amazing show, Rosemary Street, uh, Honey of Cottonwood, um, The Conjuring Story, Crawl Space, Chop Shop, all of these projects that we're talking about are going to be open for casting soon. Awesome. Yeah, so um, to be frank, most of this casting is going to be done through Actors Access. Um, I'm also going to be, since I am a producer on all these projects, along with Michael and Ray and Irv and Elena, uh, we're going to be doing our own casting too, our own private casting, our favorites. And um, as we were saying, we were talking about earlier, I only work with positive people. You know, I only work with people that know their craft. I only know I work with people that I want to I want to be around, um, that I can bounce ideas and energy off of, um, to be artistic, and to live in that heightened reality. That's acting, man. It's living in a heightened reality, but knowing when to turn it off. You know, the, um, there's so many actors out there that are these method actors. Yes, everybody has a method. I get it. I do. I have a method, but 
I also know how to turn it off. You know, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys. Don't bother me, man. I'm in character all day. It's called acting, Paisan. Come on, it's called acting. Just act. Right. Um, yeah, you know, um, there, there, there's so many great actors that could be in a character and all of a sudden they cut. All right, we got that. We'll be up in 30 minutes. Next uh, location move. And then they're themselves again. Those are the kind of people I want to work with. You know, those are the kind of people that have such a handle on their craft that they don't take themselves too seriously. That's the whole thing. You know, like Gary Oldman is one of my favorite actors. Yeah. He can play whatever. He can play a vampire. He can play Sid Vicious. He can play whatever. And when they say cut, he's Gary Oldman again. Action, he's that character. That's where you want to be. It's amazing. It is. It, it, to have that kind of on and off switch. Yeah. And, uh, but always, always at the ready. When I, when I worked with Samuel L. Jackson, I had a, a small role in his film, Rules of Engagement. And that was directed by the mighty William Friedkin, who directed the original Exorcist. I got to wow. work with him. Wow. Way. Yeah. Badass. Banging, wow, banging. Man. And I was blessed to get this role. Um, working with Samuel L. Jackson was cool because Sam, he was just, he's, he's everything that you see on TV. He's Samuel L. Jackson. But when the PA would come in or the first team producer would come in and say, uh, five minutes to show, his eyes changed. He was that character. You didn't bother him until they said cut. And once he did, they said cut, we're talking about our golf game again. It was very, very cool. That's, and that's where I want everybody to be on our set. I want us to be able to, when we say action, it's business. We really mean action. I don't mean action, just the word. I mean Let's do action. action. Yeah, action. We see the action. Cut. All right, now save your energy, man. Let's just be us again. You know? That's all it is. That's the kind of set Rosemary Street was if you didn't if you didn't recognize it. Um, oh, it was great. Yeah. Seamless. You know. Seamless. Dude, seamless, dude. I had, you know, as you said, Alana and myself, we both are co-directing her show. It's her show. And I was happy to come on board as a co-director, co-producer, co-caster. And she um when when i'm on set she directs as you know and when she's on set i direct well the day that you were on you and i were working together as actors so she directed our scene and you know we we were working 300 degree heat in, in that deep, <laughs> it was so hot because anybody that knows how to make a film you don't have the air conditioning on you just can't you just you have to have it off and the depot for everybody that doesn't know it's like a shotgun building. It's just very long and narrow. Black walls. I think COVID originated at the depot. <laughs> <laughs> Place is so, it's been around since like the early 1980s. It's an old punk rock bar. And uh, it's just, it's just, it's a mess. It's an armpit of a bar, but we love it. And when Elena was working, she had her hands full. And, you know, I, I like you said, I, I kind of like, directed and guided some of the uh, the background talent and some of our day players. I don't have a problem doing that. You know, like I said to you earlier, man, I've been doing this for a while. Um, I'm a very people person, I'm a very positive person. And you need to have that because there's so much negativity out in this world anyway. Um, but try getting on a set. You yeah. have yeah. clock working against you. Money's always drying up. People sometimes just don't feel well, so they're not giving you 100% of a performance that you need, the action that you're looking for. That's why you need somebody that's like me, you know, very hyperactive. <laughs> I have more energy than anybody ever needs. But that kind of builds 
excitement in the room. And, you know, my agents always said this, you know, you have to have what they call star quality. Um, a you got to be the brightest light in the room, you know, whether you know it or not. Um, and it has to be real. If you are a bright light, people keep saying, well, yeah, man, you're kind of like the brightest light in every, any room you go in. That is something that a lot of actors and a lot of musicians, a lot of entertainers wish they had. So build it, work with it, use it. And it, it, it does get tiring. You know, it does get tiring if you have it because everybody always wants you to be on. Right. But, uh, right. but that's okay. You know, that, that's, that's your job. That's your part calling. of the job. It is. It is. Every main, every celebrity that you ever meet on set, they have that star quality. There's that thing. What is that thing? You know, well, sometimes it's a thing that you create for yourself. Um, but sometimes you're born with it. Um, yeah, I mean, Jason, I'm just going to tell you, Paisan, you have it. Um, you have a star quality about you that when you come in the room, people look. They look at you. And that's not, you can say it's true. That's not being cocky. It's just being truthful. Sure. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a thing that people want to have. And uh, if you put that in your acting, everybody wants you. Simply put. You know, you build a character, and if you have that star quality in that character, everybody wants to know what's happening with that character. And that's how I stayed on my shows. My, my, my Dawson's Creek episodes, I was only supposed to be on for two. But I built my character with that kind of star quality attitude, even being at, at a small role. That I went from two episodes to eight. Yeah. What Joey D on One Tree Hill, I was only supposed to be on for three. I turned that into nine episodes. Take the I wedding ring off. Take the wedding ring off. Take the wedding ring off. I love, oh I love that line. Hey, and by the way, take the wedding ring off. And everyone's like, what a prick back there. <laughs> her ring off. No, my Joey D character, I got so much hate mail at the double <laughs> from these like 11, 12, 13 year old girls. Yeah. But then, but my producers are like, no, that's good. It means you're doing your job. You that's right. Your yeah, that's I was right. like, they hate me. They go, no, they hate No, but character. they love to hate you. Yeah. Right? That's the difference. That's what dude, every villain has to be loved to be hated, right? It's that James Dean used to say, it, dude, in order to be a rebel, you have to have that heart. Yeah, yeah. you've been hurt. And yeah, characters like that, yeah, you, you're hated, but you're not hated, but you are hated. And you love to be hated because you're getting your job done. But really, Joey D wasn't a bad guy, he was just business. And it's great because that, that fan base from the WB transferred with me after after i left the show and that's how I, I just kept building my fan base from dawson's creek to one tree hill to gotham to nasa 360 when i shot all over the world uh to the films that, I, that i've been producing so next is going to be rosemary street you and i paisan you, yeah. you see what happens you see what happens man so knocking out more bullet points this is fantastic by the way i mean we we've we've gotten a lot in this hour hey. and we, we kind of hey, ran a little bit of tech about. Little little tech issues and 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 but we're good. And I want to I want to go back to th that question that I was going to pose to you earlier, and you talked about it again with regarding positivity. Yeah. Uh, I'm me personally. I'm curious to know from you: Were you always in that mindset, or was there a significant time in your life that maybe you that, like the lights came on? I'm just curious to hear from you um, because I, again, I put a lot of intention into this over the years. Yeah. And uh, would love to hear your story on it and just your thoughts. 
Well, I love this, Dr. D'Amico. Let me tell you exactly what's going on <laughs> in my life. Hey, now, <laughs> let's change the camera angle, have you lay down on the couch. Yeah, lay down on the bed. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll make it a four-hour, you know. We'll yeah. get a cigarette in my session. Yeah. yeah. Right, so, so I've always been a positive guy, and I'm going to tell you what. My parents are foreigners. They're not from this country. My brothers and I are first-generation American. So growing up, thankfully in Queens, because it was so culturally diverse that – we didn't really feel it so much, but for some reason growing up, going to school, my brother and I, before my other brother was born, but my brother, my, my middle brother and I, we always, we never felt like we were part of the clique because we were like, we weren't, we weren't, we were from here, but my parents were from this country. So we always thought we had to like make up in certain, certain areas. Um, if I had to dwell on the fact that I had problems with my family not being from this country, I would have been clinically depressed. Yeah. Um, yeah, but my mother and my father, but in particular my mother who's really into the arts and she's a pediatrician and she's a wonderful woman. Um, she is the most positive person on this planet. Her house could be burning down. She's like, everything's gonna be fine. Trust me, everything's gonna be all right. Yeah. Um, and that's where I get it from. You know, I'm the most positive out of my, the three Alonzos, three brothers. I'm the most positive. My middle brother, not so much. My my youngest brother, he he he's like me. But I've always been this kind of speedy, positive guy. Um, like I said, I've always wanted to entertain. No one wants to see a depressed entertainer. <laughs> you know that doesn't that doesn't make sense. You know you want to forget your troubles for a while when you see somebody entertaining or playing music, they forget for three minutes how crappy it was five minutes ago. Hey, I really liked your video. Hey, thanks, man. That made my day because you made theirs. Yeah. Yeah, so I've always been positive. Um, I think part of your question is how do you stay positive? I've always been my biggest cheerleader. You, you know, as a, as a performer, as an entertainer, you'll find it from your friends and your colleagues and your family. They'll support you up to an extent, um, sometimes over the extent, which is great. But then there's always going to be that time where someone's not going to be around and you're like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Am I doing this right? Oh, my God, I think I'm doing everything wrong. You got to find it within yourself to be that self-sufficient, to believe in anything, any choices you make are the right ones and stick with it. Even if they're the wrong ones, <laughs> you stick with it. Because you, you're going to find, if you're a positive person, you're going to find your way out of it. You're going to find the, the answer. You know, no one's ever made overnight. You know, people always, they always say to me, man, you know, you're so successful. You know, dude, you know, success takes years. Um, sure, I'm successful in my own, right? I'm doing very well. Do I want to do better? Of course. Um I'm not dead yet. May as well keep trying, right? That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, that's how I look at it. And have fun at the same time. You know, an actor that just acts, I say this all the time, an actor that just acts 24 hours, seven days a week, is the most boring actor on the planet. You're going to have to have side gigs. Enjoy yourself doing other things like hobbies, playing guitar, singing, yeah. going to karaoke, building a motor. I don't care what you do. But Golf, just baby. Golf, you and me, 18. Come on, we'll do a back. I know, night. man. I know. It's we it's will. on my list. It's on. So you, list. I'm bringing the clubs. I'm bringing the clubs up in November, Dude, even though it's getting a little cold. I will take you to Turf Valley. We'll have a ball. 
I'm telling you, man, because an actor is supposed to be so well-rounded. An actor yeah. is supposed to have special skills and hobbies. You know, I like to ride horses. I, I love wrenching an old Harley. I've got, you know, two Harleys that I work on. You and I, we like to go golfing. I love going bowling. All these things help me focus. See, everything I mentioned, golf, bowling, yeah. horseback riding, wrenching an old 64 motor. That's concentration. That's a skill. Acting is all about concentration. Acting is all about knowing your craft, knowing everything about it, and still learning about it. That's what I love about acting. So you got you got to have you got to have skills. <laughs> you know, back in the day, oh, you're just an actor. I think some of the most intelligent people I know are actors um, and musicians. Sure, we all get a bad rep. You know, that that's fine. We don't want you here anyway. <laughs> That's fine with me. <laughs> yeah. I don't want you here if you're going to keep saying that. I know what my people are like, and they're great. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, but, you know, you, you can't change everybody's mind, but you can and change. You don't, have, you don't have to. No, you don't. That's what I'm trying to say. You don't, have, you don't to. have And you might change a few along the way, and that's great. But guess what? I do this for me. You know, I've seen your videos, brother. You see my videos. You've seen my signed acoustic videos. I've seen yours. I do those for me. Yeah. When I first did them, like I started them about four years ago in, here in Mission Beach. I did one because one morning I just woke up and I was like, you know, I haven't played guitar in a while. And I just picked it up and I did it. But the first acoustic video I ever did was uh, Surfer Girl by the Beach Boys. And my girlfriend at the time saw it. She goes, this is really good. I didn't know you actually played. And that kind of scared me. Because I realized how far away from music I was. I was really getting too knee deep into acting. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. The base of this all was the fact that I was a musician. So I started doing those videos for me. And along the way, people just seemed to like it. So I just started posting them. But really, I do these videos for me. And I have about 60 to almost 70 acoustic videos that I've never posted. I just like setting up the camera, playing somewhere in public. And putting it away now it's out of my head so i don't do it for like how many hits i don't do it for like you know getting three thousand views now i just do it for me and i think that's what makes it even more special yeah um yeah even my agents like it's amazing that you even have time to do these things and i'm like well i need to because like i said an actor who just acts 24 hours out of the day is the most boring actor in the world i gotta do something else you know it's important it's yeah. so you're so right it's so important it is. Uh, you know, and, and, and I'll, I'll ask you this. Um, I had on here, and I, I always ask pretty much anybody. I'll ask anybody anything, right? But I always I always like to leave a, a little, a couple of minutes on each episode to talk about spirituality because I think it's, I think everything really boils down to that, me personally. And I was just curious to kind of get your thoughts on it. You know, obviously we're talking about positivity mindsets. Um yeah. You know, just just kind of just kind of your thoughts on on how you know if you want to come at it from an acting standpoint, but oh. you, know, you can get in as much detail or as little detail as you want. But just sure. curious to hear your thoughts on it, dude. Yeah, look, like I said my parents are not from this country. I was I was raised Roman Catholic. Come on, yeah. man. I went to private school all my life. Um, of course, no, I believe. Yeah, you know, yeah, I I I do, I do, I I believe in. The higher God, I, I, I believe, um, I, I still pray. I still pray 
pretty much every day, not just for me, but for others. I really do. Yeah. Um, I believe, and I will going back to the conjuring thing, you know, Michael and I kind of walked in as a skeptic. Um, when we left that property, if I didn't believe before then, I really now do believe that there is something else out there. I that's just me, Mike. From 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 my standpoint, I'm not trying to change anybody's POV, but um, yeah. But when it comes to like spirituality and like belief and religion and all that, you know, my my mother, you know, she'd make us go to church every Sunday, and you know, of course, back then when you're, you're a kid, you're like, oh God, every Sunday you got to do this, but uh. Now looking back on it, you know, those are like one of my, some of my fondest memories going out with my parents, you know, and going to the community, um, not just the church, but after church, hanging out with the people that were there, going to the bazaar, going to the fair and just hang out, you know, the whole, the whole family thing. It was, I have, you know, I come from a very good family. You know, we, we have rules, you know, and, and I never had a problem really following well, I can't say that, but I, I can say that, uh, you know, I'm glad that my parents have instilled the rules that I have today that, uh, that I do hold very high in regard because it's helped me focus in my career and it's helped me find my timing in, in life. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's, everybody's different, but, uh, I think when it comes down to it, you know, we're all very much the same, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I hope I answered that question. For yeah. There, there's no right or wrong answer. It's, I always like to open it up, especially if, if we're in, in, in discussion with, you know, anything that has to do with mindset and, 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 um, outlook, you know, cause yeah. I think a lot of it boils down to, it's almost like I've been into a lot of, uh, you know, just, you could call it manifestation work. It's really more of just, you know, visualizing you know and really believing and and seeing seeing in your imagination what you want to see in the reality of the world and like you know and there's something to it there's really 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 something to it there is no there is you 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 get what you put out there man that's what i said earlier you know about positivity you get it man you know um i i really believe that if you give out the positive love energy it really does come back to you and you don't have to ask for it. If, you, if, if you're expecting it to come back, it's never going to come back to you. You just have to give it freely and watch how it comes back to you in its own way, in its own time. Um, I've always felt that. You know, it's just like us as being actors, bro. Um, when you audition, you know, you're not going to get every audition. You never get every audition. No. If you did, if you did, you'd be Johnny Depp and Tom Cruise. There's just no way. So, um, but you, you, get, you get what you put out there. So that's why we continue to try and push and be the biggest cheerleaders for ourselves. And even at your worst day, you know, you still try to do those auditions. Something's going to happen. Yeah. You, 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 no one has that bad of luck that they're never going to book. They, they, no, your number will come up. It's a numbers thing. And as you said earlier, the stars have to align until they're aligned. You're not going to book, but it will align. It will. You have to believe it's going to happen. And in the process, you know, you're getting your acting skills better. You're getting your audition skills better. You're meeting more people, the right people. You're making your name with casting directors. You're traveling. See, I still come from the school that 
you literally had to drive when I was on the East Coast all over the place to audition. People, yeah. People, yeah. One, one, one audition, I'm in Philly. The next day, I'm in Wilmington, North Carolina. Woo. The following day, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Woo. Yeah. And, um, oh. you know, my, my poor Jeep was like, yeah, my Jeep was like, dude, this is ridiculous. And you're hoping you booked. And then watch, you didn't book. But then if you stop then and there, you never, you would never know that you were going to book the following gig. It was just like me when I booked Austin's Creek. I auditioned for that. You can look it up. 29 times before I booked my character, wow. Jimmy Franco. Wow. Talk about perseverance. I hate yep. it. I didn't want to be on the show anymore. Uh, I auditioned from the pilot to the last season. And my agent was like, look, you just have one. Just go to this audition. If you book it, great. If not, then we'll no longer go. She said this on my last audition. Well, it turned out the two auditions prior were a combination of the last character that I read. And I'm glad I booked Jimmy Franco because, I, like I said, I had several episodes a recurring on the last season versus just having that one day player in ep audition number 14. Yeah. It's perseverance, man. You never know what's going to happen. And, you know, from Dawson's Creek, One Tree Hill took the, the time slot from the WB. And... I was known as the guy that used to audition all the time for Dawson's and I finally got on the show. Well, those exact producers said, Johnny Alonzo, we're giving you Joey D. <laughs> so it's about being in the game. You got to stay in the game. You got to be positive. You got to be a nice person. You got to be a people person. You have to have a personality that people want to be around. Um, honestly, that's, that's the, uh, the recipe for success. You know, who wants to work with a jerk? No one. No one. I'll work with a jerk if you're acting like you're supposed to be a jerk in a character. But I don't want to work with a person that's a jerk in real life. You know, that's who does. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. you know, and, and, and you said it. It's like there's a famous saying. You probably heard of it. You do the right things for the right amount of time consistently enough and, and things are just going to happen. Right. It's kind of like with, with athletes, you know, they keep showing up and showing up and show, and it's like, man, I just had the bet. I did all the right things on the course and it yeah. just didn't happen. I did all the right things. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. And then, and then out of nowhere, but you know, if you keep showing up, it, it's just, it's, it's going to happen, but you have to, the only thing you have control over is, your mindset and how you're approaching it and what you're doing. That's Dude, it. You just said it. You just pulled a page out of John Alonzo's handbook because that's exactly what it is, man. You know, there is no time limit. If you have a time limit, time limit in this industry, you have already set yourself up to fail. Wow. Yeah. I wow. always tell it. I say, you got to remember guys, acting is for all ages and all types. Isn't that a beautiful yeah. thing too? When you really think about it, it's like the greatest. Yeah, the greatest. and it gets better with time because you have more experience to draw from. You know, you just you you become different roles as you get older. You know, brother, and you become better at it. Yeah, <laughs> you become better. Sure, we all want to be the teen heartthrob. That's great. That's great. Hey, that's great. After that, like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, that's great. Well, I'd rather you know. It's nice to start there. But it's also nice to know that people respect you actually for your acting and not just your looks. Um, like I said, Gary Oldman, you know, he's not a bad looking guy, not the greatest looking guy. One talented actor, 
That's the respect. Anthony Hopkins, one talented actor. You know, like a Jodie Foster, one talented actress. You know, that's where you want to be. You know, but again, there's no time limit here, man. You know, everybody, you know, time is a thief if you let it be. That's an old saying my father used to say. Time is a thief if you, if you let it be. Wow. Oh, yeah. He always, he's a man of few words, but it's always like the length of the Bible. It always means the length of the Bible, that guy. So just utilize your time. Make it work for you. You know, don't stress too much, really. Um, stress about things that need to be stressed about, but your career, your acting career, no. If you let it happen, you manifest it. You said, you just keep thinking that the positive things and meeting the right positive people. You'll see. It'll happen. It's happening now, bro. It's it happening. is. Yeah. People that are, you, for you and I, with our show, Rosemary, it's happening now. People watching this episode, people watching your show right now, it's happening for them because they're taking in all the information you and I are talking about. And they're like, hey, I kind of like what he said. Or, no, nah, that guy was an idiot in that. I'm not going to listen to what he said on that. Good. I want you to say that. I want you to disprove what I said. That means you're still going to try. That, that, that's all that matters to me. That's, that's it's it, made, It's made an impression. That's it. It's there. That's it. It's burned it's something in your head. planted, yeah. Yeah. So it is, man. So, you know. And, yeah, I got to be going soon, but I'll say this, bro. Yep. When it comes to casting, I'm going to say it again because everybody watching, all the shows that we've mentioned, uh, the film and television projects that we're working on from this date forward to early next year, um, we will be putting stuff out on social media. Uh, but like any film project and any television or any commercial project, if you by the time you see the ad <laughs> – on a Facebook or Instagram thing, all the great roles have been taken. They've already been cast. So I will give you information when we start doing casting for Chop Shop and when it gets on Actors Access. I know that a lot of the casting directors will be using Actors Access for all the projects mentioned. But um, yeah, I mean, if they follow me, they follow you, they, uh, they'll see it on um, the Rosemary Street Chop Shop, McVezzy Films websites. Um, you uh, note to actors: always try to get in before it gets out there. Right. Half the reason I book half of my stuff is because I'm the only one reading for it. Got to remember that, guys. Um, if you're only reading against three people versus three hundred, well, when do you, where do you think your odds are better? When you're reading only against three people, um, it does take some time to get there. But that's where the networking comes in. That's where producers meet you and they say, you know what? Remember that Johnny Alonzo guy? Let's call him in really quickly. Because if he does this job the way I think he's going to do it, then I don't have to read half the country. We're going to save that's, a bunch of time. That's it. That's it. Nobody has time. Time, Nobody, time and energy. Time and energy, man. You're, trust me. That's it. And that's, that, that's why you build it. You build a great name. You build a name that no one can knock down. Um, you build a name that's... That, 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 that screams professionalism, you know? Um, someone that people can relate to, some, someone that they wanna have on set. <laughs> That's a big thing. That's part of my casting. Part of my casting is, all right, you come in. Before you sleep, sit down, talk with me. Talk with me. Hey, you want, a, you want a drink? Let's talk for a second. Get to know the person. And if their personality is legit and they can handle my hyperactivity, dude, let's read now, let's go. I already know who I want to book. I want to read this person. This person I'm reading, I want to book. 
Yeah. Now, if they come in and they're just like, you know, a stiff suit, you know, maybe that's their personality. You just got to feel it out. But right. if, if you find, if you feel like they're acting a certain way just to try to impress you, that's not the person you want. Right. Now, we just want realism, guys. That's all it is. Because acting, what? It's supposed to look real, right? The heightened reality is supposed to be a real reality that we created. So, you know, I, I don't want someone that's just going to be the yes, the yes guy or the yes girl. No, 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 no. Say no to me. Argue with me. Be real with me, man. That's what I'm looking for. And, that, you know, that's, that's how it is, brother. I mean, you get it, you know? So much knowledge dropped i I've, I've just this has been an absolute pleasure i know you got to run in a few minutes uh Dude. we're going to start wrapping up here cool, and man. i i want to i want to open up future plans for you we've talked about a lot we we have already talked about a lot of future plans but if there's anything else that you want to expand on you know down the road you know i i'm these days i'm more of a present person myself so when people ask me you know what are your future plans? I always used to say, yeah, I've got my roadmap, but no, 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 I was going to do this. And now, yeah. now it's like, yeah. man, as long, as long as I'm every day, I'm, I'm moving more towards ultimate joy and just en enjoying what I'm doing and I'm giving back to the world. And, and there's that, that continuum and that reciprocity then, yeah. you know, I, so that's for me, but for you, you know, yeah. thoughts on it I, and kind of where you're at. I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Um, having Michael on the show, yeah. Talking about my co-producer, director, um, Elena Moscat from our show, Rosemary's. Love Elena. Yeah. Love you. I love you. She loves She's you. She's amazing. She's amazing. Just those two names alone, guys. Everybody watching. <laughs> Elena Moscat, Michael, Mc, uh, Michael McLaren. There are five projects between the two. You see? See where I'm going with this? You get in with one, you're already now going to be considered for two or three projects. Um, you, you went with the other. Now you got five projects. You might be bouncing. Right. Um, right. the chop shop. I mentioned Ray Perry. I mentioned Herb Becker. I mentioned Johnny Alonzo. Johnny Alonzo, one hell of a guy. You got to meet him one day. Um, <laughs> these guys have a film that they're shooting here in California. Um, so if you get in with them, that's another project that you can be considered for. See, this is how it works. And then of course, if you have a great agent, then they get the auditions that are usually not within our reach. They're getting it through CSA, which is Casting Services of America. It's a breakdown service that only casting directors, legitimate casting directors have that give the legitimate act, uh, agents and managers. Um, that's the breakdown that puts Jason D'Amico in the top four reads versus 500 people. That's where you wanna be. So if you have that going with a good agent or a good manager, and then you have people like me that you know, you're gonna be working all the time. So my future plans, getting back to what you were asking, um, working with these people, acting in, the, in their projects, but also producing. I'm producing because I meet so many actors that I love and, I, and they are my favorite actors. I want them in these projects. I don't necessarily have to be in the film as an actor. I can bring them in as a, as a, as a lead or a co-star or a guest star. And I can sit back and just produce and say, yeah, that's my talent. I brought her in. I brought him in. That, that's just as good enough for me, as long as it works. So my future plans are that, of course, to act. You know, I've always told, I always tell people, I'm going to retire next year. 
And then, you know, my agent's like, you better not retire. I'm making too much money off of you. Um, that's, but, a, that's a good phone call to have. That's a yeah, that's a right. problem no, you to can't have. Do yeah. This. Yeah, yeah, so I'm not going to retire anytime soon. But producing-wise, I, I, I'm definitely going to be more in the hot seat with it because I really do enjoy I've always, I've always thought I was cut out to be that agent type. Uh, kind of a slick talker, fast talking guy, kind of like Joey D from One Tree Hill. If you think about it, <laughs> take the ring off. <laughs> take the ring off. <laughs> take the ring off. Come on. Um, kind of gets in the way of it. There. I think that was the line. But uh, um, yeah, I want to hone actors and, and musicians um, into projects that I'm either producing or that my friends are producing and uh, that we all work together. I really, I enjoy it. I enjoy like, just watching you on set, bro, when you were on set with us. Um, it was fun watching you act because I've seen you act when you're playing your music with your band. And that's a totally different stage act versus your character on Rosemary Street. And I was like, look, man, we, we morph him into what we're, we're, what we're trying to do here. He fits with the team. And he's not just Jason on set. He's playing the bar owner. He's playing this guy. And, dude, seriously, you, you came you, – you, you came in real. Your your character was you blew a lot of life into your character, and we couldn't do it with with anybody else. It, that is your character, that is your role, Elena. That is her role. My character. That is my role. Yeah. No one's touching our characters anymore. That's embedded in the Rosemary Bible. So, yeah, you know, I'm glad that we were able to pull you on, and I didn't really have to direct you. <laughs> You, you, you came on set like a pro and you just had you, you had your lines down and you did what you needed to do. Your timing, your cadence was perfect. Um, that's all we're asking for. That's all any directors are asking for to come on set as if you are the true veteran actor. That's all it is. Whether you are or not come in, come in as a pro. It, it, it'll, it'll show and you'll be a repeat customer with the producers. I guarantee it. It, it means it means a lot. I'm so honored to hear that, and thank you. I really appreciate you for for, for saying those words. Um, of course, I've got a fun thing that I like to do at the end, which is called the uh, kind of the shootout. So I just say yeah. a word, and you just say the first word that fires back. You know, you call uh -oh. it like a psychological <laughs> thing. No I'll right or wrong answers. It's and it, and they're all they always pertain to the guest that's on. So you'll okay. you'll you'll know them. Sure. Acting. Johnny Alonzo. Now that is an answer. <laughs> I have done. Listen, I mean this. This show's been again, you know, four or five years at this point, over 140 yeah. episodes, wherever we're at. Yeah. Yeah. That is an answer. Hey. I freaking love that. There you are. <laughs> Music. The unknown. And I'm gonna have to dive into. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna yeah. be doing some deep dives. See what I can. What I can dig up. If I can't I'll find enough on the internet, I want you to send me some like. Yeah, you know, I'll some, send you some stuff, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah that'll yeah. be cool. That'll be cool. Still That's awesome. Love, yeah, music still my true love. Yeah. Lighting. Um, GoPro. By the way, I love the one wheel videos. <laughs> like in New York yeah. and Baltimore, I saw a couple of those, and I was like preparing, you know, and I was like, man, this yeah, is awesome. Yeah. He's got like this freaking like sphere lens I've got GoPro. this 360 GoPro thing and you said you said lighting right the word light, yeah, lighting. yeah 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 well w one of the hardest things as you know when you're a filmmaker if your lighting isn't perfect <laughs> it all goes to hell and then the next thing if audio is terrible then you may as well uh, scrap it yeah uh, 
but whenever I set up those little GoPro videos, me playing the acoustic or playing, uh, riding my one wheel, it only takes three minutes to do a song, but it takes me 30 minutes to do lighting. So that, that's why I said, you know, GoPro. <laughs> Monologue. Classes. Directing. Difficult. Rock and roll. Life. <laughs> New York. Home. Baltimore. Home. <laughs> San Diego. Home. <laughs> All right. So this is the last, but but it's always and it, everybody always gets this one, no matter who they are. Uh -oh. It's very important. And that is pizza. Paisan. <laughs> Pepperoni. <laughs> Let's go. That's it. See, that's always my answer. A lot of people they'll they'll try and get cute and they'll do the pineapple thing or like whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, no. No, 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 no. It's pepperoni. But you know, I I'm also a huge anchovies fan, which most people are not. So hey. So <laughs> so when you when at some point when when you meet my parents, my dad yeah. is a huge huge anchovies got like like stupid stupid, stupid. like he'll, he'll open the can and just eat them right out of there Dude, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> sardines same thing open the can and you'll hear my mother like in the in the in the kitchen like you know she doesn't want to smell it and the whole thing <laughs> he'll throw it on salad he'll throw it on pizza he'll throw it on anything you tell your old man because my old man orders this all the time from little italy in baltimore i will get your father a glass jar of olives filled with anchovies okay all and right he's now, gonna love me for it I'm the, the, yeah you. this this is this is happening this is straight <laughs> up happening you do that for sure him he'll is. probably probably do like 10 golf 10 rounds of golf on there him. You, are. You, do that. <laughs> you put those in your martini you put them in your drink they're fantastic they're wonderful <laughs> yeah yeah that's hilarious that's hilarious oh, man. um i ask everybody this at the end which is um if you could go back in time to your 15 year old self, knowing what you know now, what would you tell them as just advice or, you know, just what would you tell them in general? Sure. Get a better fake ID. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> um, me at 15, you know, it's so funny. At 15, I was acting like a 30 year old. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a different You're time. You're on tour, apparently, right? You're on tour. I mean, That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so, yeah different times so as a 15 year old if i can go back in time and tell myself um i said there isn't really much i would change um, that's great though you know honestly yeah i don't have that's that's of, great man yeah i've always my my family has always said you know what did i say earlier even if you make the wrong decision or give the wrong answer you stick with it you stick with it so it's like if i if i sided with my brother and he was and he was wrong I don't change sides. I sided with you. I stick with you. I've always been that way in my life. So there isn't much for me to change. Maybe a little bit more with um, being a little more book smart. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a dumb guy, but I could have um, I could have excelled in a lot more like maybe in history. <laughs> um, I could have I could have put a little more time into my regular book school stuff versus just uh being the world traveler that I am, but honestly, um, I think it turned out. Okay. I think I turned out all right too, man. It's, it's a good, it's a good mix between fresh water and salt water. I'm all right, brother. Right, right, right. I think, I think it turned out great. Um, <laughs> wow. What a blessing. 
it's been so great to have you on. Uh, any last words? Uh, you know, any final thoughts? You know, just again, well, thank you. You're you're a good man, Charlie Brown, for putting me on the show. It's been a lot oh, of thanks. fun. My yeah, pleasure. Paisan, wonderful. Um, just last word. Yeah, any actor or anyone in the entertainment industry, just don't give up. Um, anybody that tells you that you're not good enough, and you know, no one's ever told me I'm not good enough. I think they were just too afraid to say that to me. <laughs> but uh, you know, but um, if anybody even because some people can be catty and they find their own way to make you feel less of a person, less of you. No, don't ever take that from anybody. That's just, that's my word of advice. Um, because then you get, then you begin to uh, brew self doubt. Um, like I said, if you make a decision, you go with it, you stick with it. Even if you are wrong, like if Jason said, Hey man, you know, I, I, I didn't take that. I side with him, whether he did or not. If I find a letter he, later he did, I still side with him. I don't change sides. Don't be wishy-washy because, you know, being a wishy-washy person tends to lead to wishy-washy acting. Um, decisions, man, you know, you stick with it. You know, stick Decisive. with it. Be, 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 yeah. Precise. And, you know, just be a real person, but don't let it con- – Acting can consume you. Mm-hmm. It that that industry and being a musician, Jason, you know, it can consume you. Being an entertainer, um, find outlets, have hobbies, enjoy life. You know, slow down a little bit. You know, the my my father also says this. You know, the world still spins without you. Remember that. Um, it's great words to live by. It's like you know, yeah. it's gonna happen regardless, man. You know what, what what's supposed to be is supposed to be. So you can't make the world go any faster than it is. You know, the world still spins without you. Just ride it out, man. You know? So good. So hey, man. Good. Hey, man. Well, you guys have been watching and listening to the Jason D'Amico show with featured guest Johnny Alonzo. And I love saying that name. It's like one of the cool. We were talking about that on uh, on set at Roseberry Street in between takes. It's like, God, man, it's just such a freaking cool name. You're the best. Uh, Feel free to uh, uh, your social media real quick. J- we'll have it in the description box for anybody's driving or whatever. Just audibly, if you could just say real quick where, the, where folks can find you. Sure. Pretty much everywhere that they are <laughs> under Johnny Alonzo. Instagram, yep. Johnny.Alonzo. IMDB, Johnny Alonzo. Facebook, Johnny Alonzo. TikTok, the Johnny Alonzo. Um, if anybody still does Twitter, which I'm telling you, you should. <laughs> um, Johnny Alonzo. Um, and, of course, JohnnyAlonzo.com. Very simple. Awesome. This has been an absolute pleasure. We will see you all on the next episode. And peace.